Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm your host, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast today is special guest and fellow club officer Isaac Flores, which I just completely caught off guard yeah. by, <laughs> by starting off that intro because he was playing Smash. Yeah, it's good to be here again. Yeah, yeah. You were last on the podcast uh, during the Endgame podcast. Yeah, 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 that was the last one. Yeah, and that's is that is that your is that your movie of the year as of as of now? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Definitely need to work though on my uh, 2019 movie list. Yeah, well, I mean, we're gonna be recording that that podcast soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, listeners, we're gonna have a top ten of, of 2019 podcast out. Uh, it's gonna be a two parter. It's gonna be huge. It's gonna be a lot of people on it. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But um, what else is what else is on your list other than Endgame? Mm, let's see. Okay, I really liked Waves. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really want to see 1917. I've heard a lot of hype about that. So have I. So, yeah, I was not able to make it to that screening. Yeah, same. So once that com- comes out, I'm hoping that, like, shoots up the list. Mm-hmm. But Once Upon a Time in yeah, yeah, that's a good one. It really grew on me. It wasn't. I wasn't like super crazy about it, and then mm-hmm. I, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I really enjoyed that. Um, which we also recorded a podcast on once by time in Hollywood back in summer. So if you want to listen to that and hear more in depth thoughts about that movie, we can. Uh, your you guys can go listen to that. But there's still some stuff that I want to see, like 1917, mm-hmm. um, Knives Out. I still haven't seen as the time oh, of recording yeah. this. Uh, Little Women, Uncut Gems, I've heard is really great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming out this season. Yeah. It's a great season for movies. And a great season to catch up on movies, because, at least for us students, you know, we're going back home. Yeah. And, uh... Gotta watch as many films as we can. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We gotta take advantage of that time until it gets busy again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nice to be done with finals like it's it's such a weird feeling yeah i feel like my brain has been on overdrive this whole quarter yeah and i just need to like relax right sit on the couch all day and watch some movies Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's one of those things too where it's like if i try to do that during the school year i would just end up feeling really guilty like i need to be Mm -hmm. doing something else right now and then it, now I can finally do that without feeling guilty because there's not yeah. much I really have to do other than, you know, I, I work part-time when I'm home. and But other than that, it's like it's not it's not school. Yeah, honestly, anything I did this quarter that was fun was probably not the best choice with my schedule. Yeah, yeah this was definitely my worst quarter at UW in terms of workload. Not necessarily grades, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was rough. Yeah. Sounds like you said you're doing like math 308, and I'm like, I, I can do Yeah, remember. all engineering, math classes. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Are you having a little easier workload next quarter? It's a little bit easier, supposedly. We'll see. That's what people <laughs> say. Yeah. Let's, fingers crossed. Mine's hopefully a little bit easier, too. Yeah. Um, Doesn't help that I'm pre-med. <laughs> Oh yeah, true. I'm I'm pre law, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm struggling a little bit. I'm a little worried, but yeah, I don't really know what the requirements are for that. Actually, you're trying to do it here at UW. Oh, I was talking about law school. 
Oh, I thought you were talking about you going back on, like, your case for med school. Oh, no. I was curious about the law school thing. Oh, I mean, it's... The... For law school, for uh, UW, like, admissions are, are like, holistic, obviously, like it is for undergrad. Mm -hmm. But, like, their median GPA for admissions, like, a 37. Oh, wow. And that's high. (laughs) I don't currently have a 37, so... (laughs) Yeah, I need to maybe work on that. Or go to Seattle U. Yeah. Seattle U is still a good school. No no, no hate to Seattle U. All love. Yeah. Anyway, though, you have anything else to add before we jump into it, or should we jump into it? Yeah, let's get into the movie. Okay, so today, Isaac brought this film that I think neither of us have seen until last night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Uh, and that film is The Dark Crystal. Yeah. The By Dark- Jim Henson. Yes. Directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz, both really well known for their pep, their Muppet and puppeteering work. Frank Oz was the the voice of Yoda, right? Uh, yes, I think. Don't quote me on that. Yoda's relevant right now. I mean, I would. As I would a hope, meme. <laughs> I would hope by the time. Oh yeah, he is Yoda. He's, yeah. 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 I would hope by the time. Um, this comes out that Baby Yoda is still relevant because Baby Yoda should always be relevant. Yeah. I love Baby Yoda. I really need to watch The Mandalorian. (laughs) I I talked about this in the last podcast that uh, we talked about like how it's it's totally just like a marketing plant by Disney Mm -hmm. to to get people to buy (laughs) Disney Plus so they can see Baby Yoda. I'm like, yeah, it's... Yeah. I you know it works. Yeah, it, it does work. I want to. I want to freaking get Disney Plus now so I can see Baby Yoda. Yeah. But, anyway, though, but uh, this is like the dream child of Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Yes. The Dark Crystal. And it is incredibly ambitious. This is not like some some typical uh, Muppet movie that you may have seen in the past. Yeah. This is. Uh, kind of like a high fantasy story. It's got like a pretty traditional, uh, like hero narrative, I guess. But yeah. Um, but it's got a lot of these like weird high fantasy elements, and you could tell so much effort was put into uh, developing that world. Mm-hmm. And especially like, I think like that's the I think the most impressive thing about this movie. Even it's though definitely the world building. Is like the, the, yeah, the I would say the story is like. It's fine, you know, it's your traditional hero story, but, like, the amount of detail that they put into developing this world, from, like, the landscaping to, so all the characters are puppets, to the puppet design, mm-hmm. is, like, absolutely fantastic. Right. Yeah, and just, there's so much, again, so much effort put into this, and it's it's kind of insane, and it's also a little bit, a l- little bit tragic, because it's... You could tell so much love was was poured into this movie in terms of it looking, it having its own aesthetic, it, it having its own world, its own costumes, its own puppets that are so intricately detailed. But it feels like there's not a lot of care that was equally put into making a compelling story. Because mm-hmm. for this being a 90-minute movie, I was very consistently bored. <laughs> yeah. And or and or didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> and it, which which, um, 
which was a little unfortunate because I feel like the story itself is really straightforward. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so it's <laughs> the prophecy is like there are these creatures. They're kind of like elves almost, like similar, but they're called Gelflings. Yes. Um, there's only one Gelfling left. His name is uh, Jen. Jen. Jem, yeah. And he is the last of his kind, raised by these different species called um, mystics. But anyways, uh, then you have this third group called the Skeksis, and they rule over this land of Thra. That's what the world is called. Yeah. But anyways, the prophecy is that, like, a Gelfling will end up destroying the Skeksis. That's, like, the rough prophecy. So as a result, the Skeksis came in wiped out all of the Gelflings, uh, except for Jen and his, and later on we will find out another one, Kira. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And essentially, um, uh, Jen's role in the story is that he finds this, this piece of this dark crystal, and then he's supposed to use it to repair the actual crystal, and that'll, like, reunite the, uh, I'm forgetting the Skeksis and um, the, the mystics. mystics. Yeah, so we'll, uh, so there's this big crystal called the Dark Crystal that, like, is... I suppose you could call it, like, the life source of the whole world, but it's broken. Yeah. And Jen's job is to return the shard that's missing and restore the crystal to whole. Right. But I kind of see this story as very similar to... Lord of the Rings, honestly. Yeah. Because, like... It's got a lot of parallels. Yeah. I mean, I think Jen doesn't do that a whole lot in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's honestly a lot of the people around him helping him out. Uh, right. Kira definitely is a big uh, supporting character. Mm-hmm. Sam Gamgee of the story. Although I will say, it's a good... Or th- or potentially, like, Gandalf. Oh, Gandalf, yeah. Because I, 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 I guess we're getting into spoilers, but her death scene, like, her sacrifice sort of reminded me of, like, the... The, when Gandalf sacrifices himself to the Balrog in oh, Fellowship. No. Little, a little bit. A yeah, little yeah, bit. I see it. Um, Although her, her role in the story overall is more like a Samwise yeah. character. But she's definitely there to offer guidance and keep him going. Right. But, but he does end up restoring the crystal. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so I guess that there's a little difference there. I mean, let's face it, Frodo couldn't finish off the his job. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Frodo's kind of useless without, <laughs> without Sam in the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, Sam's the real hero. Should we talk about res- the reception of this film? So Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when it came out, I mean, it's grown in popularity a lot in mm-hmm. like the last year or two. Because, I mean, if you guys aren't aware of, there is Netflix just developed a new show revolving around the Dark Crystal. It's called Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Mm -hmm. And it just is a prequel to this movie. And I highly recommend it because all the details they're missing in this movie about the world building are addressed a lot more in this show. So you kind of get a little bit more of a clear picture of what's going on. But anyways, when this movie first came out in 1982, I believe, yeah, 1982, um, it did not do well at all. Um, honestly, 
did not do well. People didn't like it, which I can I can kind of understand. Like as a kids movie, there's a, some very adult scenes, and also there's just some as you were saying before, it's a classic hero story. But there's just some details missing that it kind of makes it boring, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it didn't do that well. Yeah, it made um, it made. In its original run at the box office, it made about $40 million, mm-hmm. and that was on a $25, uh, $25 million budget. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, realistically speaking, it probably just barely broke even, and it, you know, Muppets are, were, because it was like the Muppet show was really popular in like late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s, like that, around that time. Yeah, so and this then, peak, uh, puppetry like, time. Yeah, it's <laughs> peak, peak puppetry time, and the, the Dark Crystal pretty pretty severely underperforms yeah. dur- during that era. Yeah, I feel like Jim Henson just tried to stuff so much into this movie. Mm-hmm. You could t- It's definitely like a passion project of, of yeah. everyone be- behind it, especially like Jim Henson, Frank Oz. Uh, like they wanted to tell this story and just have it be all out. Like it's not... It's hardly even a kids movie. Which yeah. I mean the Muppets the Muppets aren't real the Muppets are like like the Muppet show is like a family show, I guess, but it has mm-hmm. a lot of adult humor. And this is just, it's has some very adult themes. It, it it has adult themes and it also I I guess like challenges like this uh, model of storytelling involving puppets as being just for kids. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the material here and a lot of the costumes on all the sets and a lot of the puppets, like especially the Skeksis, are disturbing. And yeah. like I'm watching this as a nineteen year old person and I can't imagine ever like sitting through being okay with sitting through this when I was a kid. I know a lot of people that watched this when they was they were a kid and are like traumatized and I don't blame them. Yeah, I can definitely see some nightmares like there's this one scene where one of the Skeksis just gets all his clothes ripped off. Yeah. Him, and it's absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, as I mean, I assume the target audience isn't, like, older kids. It's probably towards, like, the eight-year-old range. But I feel like that would be absolutely terrifying. I feel like it should have been marketed more towards, like, tweens and younger teens. Yeah. Like, it would have been... Uh, a lot more tolerant. I mean, I, I guess that's like not really the market that the Muppets had, but I don't know. Like, uh, I feel like, but at the same time, though, I feel like if you ask people now, like <laughs> around that age group, I feel like they would really enjoy this movie because that's like a lot of people's edgy phases. <laughs> yeah, honestly, if you're just looking at the cover of this film, you're not expecting it to be so mature. That's- yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, so, I think the story is kind of lacking in those details that really connect it. I feel like, although the puppetry is absolutely fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and he did a really good job developing this world, as a consequence, we're kind of missing some things story-wise that mm-hmm. really connect it. Like, there's this one scene where, like, he has to pick the shard, right? And he has three shards in front of him. And then he doesn't know which one to pick. So then he decides to just play his flute, right? Mm -hmm. And then it glows. But we have absolutely no idea how that worked whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's... It is kind of just like we have to accept certain details because 
they I'm not sure if they have like a rushed production schedule, but I know that uh, this this feels like a movie that should be longer. And I get that that they put so much effort and it takes so long to do what they did mm-hmm. for this. So it makes sense why it's why it's only like around 90 minutes, but Maybe they should have done a prequel book like uh, Marvel movies do. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, (laughs) I guess that wasn't really a a trend back in 1982. I guess they should have started that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, it's, it definitely feels like a lot of the details that that they bring in are really inconsequential because I feel like the story itself is really straightforward. Like it's just about this prophecy, and he has to he has to restore the crystal. And there's mm-hmm. the war between the two the Skaxies and the Mystics. Uh, so it seems like it's pretty it, it, a pretty typical fantasy story. But there's so many details. Like at the beginning, they had like, like this big exposition dump, and throughout the world, there's all these like really unique, weird details that they just kind of gloss over. I'm like, I want to know more about that stuff. I wish I knew I knew more about that stuff. That stuff is really interesting, but it feels like they just took these basic plot points and just dragged them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's, I think, the, the biggest flaw with this film. Yeah, I feel like it just, like, the plot is standard, but it gets overshadowed by the puppetry, which right. isn't necessarily a bad thing, because the puppetry is great. Right. But, like, it's like there's just so, how do I describe it? a difference in, like, the level of the two things. Like, you have Mm -hmm. a masterpiece in puppetry, and then you got, like, kind of just a subpar storyline, you know? Yeah. This, it's, this is very similar to how I feel about the Joker movie. Oh, yeah. Because uh, people were, like, complaining that I gave it two stars Mm -hmm. (laughs) out of five. And I'm like, well... It's not because I hate the movie. There's a lot of individual parts that I really enjoy about it. Like, I just think it's a shame that for a movie where, you know, Walking Phoenix is working his ass off and the cinematography is amazing and all the all the sets and New York or not New York, like Gotham, I guess. Yeah. Feels so alive in the sound design. And it's just like that's all done in service for a really shallow surface level story. And that I think yeah. is what really irritates me is that is that because it's so well presented, then it's tricking people into thinking that it's deeper than it really is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not entirely equivalent here, but it's 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 the same thing where it's like the Dark Crystal. It's like everything is put in favor into into this like really subpar story. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. That they're trying to compensate kind of with right. the set design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think they just had a lot of limitations given that, and they probably had to fulfill quotas and have it out at a certain point. Yeah, I without mean, going it is over a kid's budget. movie. I mean, yeah. you can only put so much right. before, you know, the kid's eyes start to glaze over, regardless mm-hmm. if it makes sense or not. Uh, no, that's true. Yeah, and I, I guess if they made it any longer, then I'm not sure how that would have panned out or they would if they really would have, like, fleshed out the story more or had more of like a character arc for Jen or, or what would have happened? I, it could have just been more of the same plot mm-hmm. and it just dragged out more. So I'm not sure if I would have wanted to see that or not. You've seen part of, you've seen some of the show, right? Yeah. I watched the whole first season. Okay. Um, so that takes place like, I don't know, roughly maybe 15 or 20 years. There's not really a timeline, but it takes place before the dark crystal 
they're actually all the Gelflings are still alive. They have their civilization. Um, there's a bunch of different clans. Uh, the Skeksis, as in the Dark Crystal, they kind of use the Dark Crystal's powers to keep themselves immortal. Mm-hmm. And then, well, the rough synopsis is that the Gelflings discover that the Skeksis are taking advantage of the crystal. That leads to open rebellion and, yeah, Age of Resistance. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that is the, uh, the subtitle of the show. Yeah, and I think it's, like, it really works out those kinks in, like, the... Um, in the world building, like you under like the storyline, you understand a lot more of what's going on. Mm-hmm. They're very clear about why this thing occurs. Um, and on top of that, they take the puppets and they just like it's ten times better. Like I mean, back in nineteen eighty two, you can only do so much with puppets, mm-hmm. and there's no- it already is like super impressive what they do with those though. Yeah, I know, right? And they somehow managed to take that in, like, do even better, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, the puppets actually look like, I mean, the puppets are kind of limited by their movement. But in this one, in the TV show, they definitely look a lot more lifelike in the movement, which I mm-hmm. think is good. Mm-hmm. And then that world building is always improved. Right. And then, well, so if we're just, so just looking at the movie... I think it suffers from these details that we don't get. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of uh, stuff that has come out since then that has really improved it. So, like, on top of the TV show, there's been prequel books and sequel books. Mm. Um, I haven't read those, but okay. from what I gather, they really help you understand what's going on as well. Right, right. So it's it's... Basically, the show to you is like pretty much an improvement on all fronts. Like yes. Even the best parts of the movie are better in the show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I think you could honestly just watch the TV show. I mean, the movie is still good because it helps you understand like, oh man, this is what happens after the TV show. Mm-hmm. All your favorite characters are dead. Honestly. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, the Gelflings all die, so right. you know what's going to happen to them right. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think either TV show or movie, they can stand on their own. Right. TV show is a little bit better, but mm-hmm. you put them together, you really get something. Yeah. I, I, I wish I watched the whole TV show and then went to see the movie, or went to watch the movie. Yeah. I mean, I watched the show before the movie. And yeah, that I of, guess that was the smart move, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and that kind of helped me um, understand put, what was going on. Put more a things bit in more. context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like it needs some. Uh, the movie definitely feels like it needs a little bit of like a supplementary thing because at the beginning there already is a little bit of a an exposition dump, but I'm not really a f- and I, I get for like fantasy stories where there's these uh, these. these big backstories and everything like you can't always uh, get away with not doing a big expedition dump Mm -hmm. and this this does that but i feel like i just i just wanted more things equally spaced out that's something i think lord of the rings does super well Mm -hmm. yeah they definitely don't rush things yeah if we're relating lord of the rings like i mean i love lord of the rings Mm -hmm. um i think it's great storyline it's great 
it doesn't necessarily suffer from the same issue. It's more like, man, this world building is so amazing. I just want more, you know? Right. I just want to understand what's, what's going on. And, like, unfortunately, I mean, Tolkien's dead, so we can only kind of mm-hmm. speculate or, at this point, like, right. deviate from his original vision. Right. Um, but, yeah, guess, you just want more understanding. Yeah. I, I guess you get that a lot from the books and from, like, the indexes and from the, the Silmarillion, mm-hmm. which I think uh, was was part of that written by his son. Yeah, I think yeah. most of it was written by him, and it, like, was released after his death, I believe. Right. Um, and then his son kind of, like, uh, smoothed it out, because I think at that point it was just, like, notes. Right. Um, yeah, which I've, I've read it, actually. Yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the Silmarillion? I really like it. I love learning more about, well, Lord of the Rings. Right. The main story occurs in the Third Age, right? I think it's the Third Age. I think so. Um... And this one takes it back to the first, no, second age, second age. So I really think, I really like it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it just like, it's so interesting just to learn new things about this world Mm -hmm. and understand like how this leads to this certain event. It's really early, but you kind of get the sense of how these events led to the whole story of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, same thing here in The Dark Crystal, like, um, the TV show, you kind of understand where they are in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, I feel like the show is totally just made out of a labor of love for that original movie. They mm-hmm. got a lot of big-name voice actors for this. They did. Yeah. So, like, you got Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. He's voicing one of the characters. Taron Edgerton. He had a, he had a decently big year this mm-hmm. year. Just picked just picked up a SAG nomination. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, Simon Pegg, Mark Hamill, uh, Andy Samberg, Helena oh, yeah. Carter. It's narrated by Sigourney Weaver. Narrated by, by Ripley. Oh, yeah. Simon yeah. Pegg. Yeah. You have a very... Big cast of yeah. big name characters, but especially people like uh, Sigourney Weaver, Mark Hamill, Simon Pegg. Those are all uh, big name actors in like quote unquote nerd culture. Yeah, and yeah. like um, I don't know if you say her if you say Natalie or Nat Natalie Emmanuel. She is in Game of Thrones. A lot of these big name actors in in like this quote unquote nerd culture again. Um, that are like signing on for this movie, so it almost feels like it's a it's like a testament to, to you know this mo- the original movie that was like influential in a lot of ways. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like, how do I describe this? Um, it just like it's a really nice little dedication towards the original content. Yeah. And I feel like, had this been nineteen eighty two. And this TV series came out. You probably wouldn't have been able to get big name characters on this. Right. But I feel like our society, it's op- it's been more o- accepted to be a nerd. Nerd culture has been more accepted. It's now like the mainstream culture. Exactly. Much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you have to accept that when Endgame becomes the biggest movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, but I mean, it's great because then you get this like... The superior actors. I mean, Mark Hamill, Star Wars, obviously. 
Um, but, I mean, on top of that, he does lots of voice acting for mm-hmm. so many things. Like Joker and the animated series and the vi- and video games. Um, and each of these other people has their own thing that kind of relates back to the whole nerd culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also like it's also really cool and really exciting to see people like Taron Egerton and and Anya Taylor Joy um, on this project as well because those are both like super talented up and coming actors, mm-hmm. also. Um, yeah, and then you have like Aquafina. She's also in here. Is she? Yeah, she plays. Um, Why can't I find her? The anymore? Collector. Which oh, you I might not know. Oh, there's a the lot TV. of people I didn't I didn't see. <laughs> I'm looking at the. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Aquafina's had a huge year. Yes. Aquafina's about to get her Oscar nomination. <laughs> With Waves. That was a big one, too. With Waves? Yeah, she did the music in Waves, didn't she? Or am I totally wrong? I was Sorry, thinking people, about Aquafina. I'm spouting wrong. I was thinking about Aquafina and her role in The Farewell, which oh. she's fantastic in. But didn't she do the music in Waves? I don't, have to check. I don't think so. I thought she did. I'm probably wrong. Sorry, people. <laughs> I'm just spouting knowledge that I, I, I don't even know what the score place. was for Waves. It was just a bunch of like Radiohead songs. Music. Radiohead and Frank Ocean, which I'm not complaining. Maybe about. I yeah, I think I was thinking of Frank Ocean. Sorry. Those are not the same people. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know why I connected her to that. Um, no, pretend I didn't say any of this okay. stuff. Okay. Maybe cut out this part. No. Don't worry, I'm um, not going to. No, great. <laughs> people, I swear, I know what I'm talking about sometimes. But, I mean, she has had a big year. Not including waves, because she's not doing related the soundtrack in for any Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just amazing the host of actors you get in here. Right. And then the puppetry, they combine, like, CGI a little bit, so Mm -hmm. it improves the, I mean, it's still mainly puppets, but now it just, like, speaking, moving, everything looks better. Mm -hmm. That's been... I think a an up and coming practice. I think in in some big blockbuster movies recently, like I think the first really notable example was like in Force Awakens. Mm. I guess I guess like I don't know if that was I, I don't know my history about like effects and stuff, but I know people were really excited about that movie because it was back to actually like real sets and real, especially after the prequels where everything was just in front of a giant green screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like okay, there's these these practical sets and practical effects, but it's it's that combined with, you know, CGI obviously. Like mm-hmm. CGI is used to is to supplement all the real stuff. Yeah, uh, that's what it seems like. This is it's happening here in yeah. the Dark Crystal show. Yeah, and I think it's good because I mean, there's not a whole lot of puppetry, TV shows or movies that aren't you know sesame street or something right (laughs) so this is kind of refreshing in that regard Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, i think in this case the puppet uh puppets work but they've been going back to puppetry in a lot of things so i know in like jurassic park or jurassic world they used mainly cgi for like all the dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and i guess there was a lot of complaints about that and then in the Fallen Kingdom, right? Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Um, 
they actually went back to a lot of puppetry in regards to that because I guess there was a lot of complaints about that. So I think puppetry is up I mean, rising I guess, again. I guess that's kind of neat. But I don't think I think I think Fallen Kingdom is a worse movie than the first. Oh Jurassic yeah, World, yeah. So. I agree for sure. <laughs> but I mean, if we're purely talking about special effects, I guess the dinosaurs are a little bit better. I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs are cool. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. No, dinosaurs are cool. Dinosaurs are cool. But I'm glad we agree. <laughs> the Skeksis kind of look like pterodactyls. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, I feel like if they just, like, unfolded their arms out and just they had wings, that would be a great, like, Did you know they have, they have four arms? You never see them, though. Whoa. Yeah, they have four arms. I so was like, unaware. So, like, you know how the Mystics and the Skeksis are counterparts? Yeah. So they both, the both groups have four arms, but you never see them use them. They do use them in the show, though, so... Again, another detail you... I gotta watch the show now, then. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch the show. <laughs> you can uh, skip the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's advice to our listeners. If you want to get into the Dark Crystal, well, watch the show, and then either just stop, or watch the movie after that. Because, yeah. it, again, it is a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, movie is kind of supplementary. I mean, they basically just go over everything again. Right. But you just know how it pans out if you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like... Oh, so, oh, we didn't say this. They're both on Netflix. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, because so, yeah, the show's a Netflix original, and the movie is also on Netflix. So if you, yeah, yeah. Let's go over themes. So, like, I think a big one is, like, for me at least, I don't know about you, but, like, the environment. So, like, the Skeksis, through their greed are just destroying the environment and mm-hmm. the dark crystal. And, like, you see that as a reflection in the wildlife around, like, their whole castle thing. Right. And then after, at the end of the film, after the crystal has been restored, it's all It's everything's lush. light again. Yeah, yeah, everything's light and lush, mm-hmm. been restored. I feel like that's become a pretty common theme in a lot of... Uh, a lot of games, a lot of... Especially, yeah, especially video games. Because I feel like I, I see that a lot. I've been playing Celeste a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's this one... I just started playing it. And there's this one level in that game where you're, it's in a hotel. And you basically have to, like, clean up after this um, hotel concierge. And then, like, as you're doing it, it's like you're kind of, like, eliminate. It's like you're eliminating this evil or whatever. And... I'm probably not doing a great job at, at, at describing this, but afterwards it becomes a lot more lush and a lot more like vibrant. And I'm thinking of stuff like, uh, like in Twilight Princess, the Zelda game, mm-hmm. like that's a really common theme where it's like you're, that you're like expanding the, the light in like these dark areas. Mm-hmm. Um, have you played any of these games that I mentioned? No, I've played Twilight Princess okay. before. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think definitely for this, there is that theme going on yeah. where you know you have to clean out the evil right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's become there this movie has in that way been really influential influential on gaming culture because i feel like there's been so many games that have followed that same um i guess like fantasy storyline and also mm-hmm. just that whole light dark thing that whole yeah. light dark motif yeah and i feel like it's if you like 1980s there's a lot more 
reg- less regulations go on. You have a lot more pollution. Right. So it definitely, I feel like, relates a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the... Sorry, history lesson here, people. I think the EPA was established in, like, oh, 1973. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not one of the things Nixon is remembered for. <laughs> um, but, so that's fairly new. So, but I think it just goes back to, like, protecting the environment. Mm-hmm. It, the show, I, again, if you watch the show, it, it helps you understand a lot more. But, like, when the dark crystal is uh, broken... The wildlife is just, like, absolutely harmed. is harmed, for sure, in the TV show. Like, you see death and destruction in the wildlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, plant life is being killed off. There's a, a lot of repercussions for the Dark Crystal being broken mm-hmm. that you only get a sense of in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, all you really get is that last scene where, like, the whole environment around the castle has been restored right but in the show it's a lot more obvious Mm -hmm. and they it's kind of what tips them off something's wrong and leads to the whole rebellion right i guess yeah i guess i guess that does go sort of hand in hand and this being like subtly a an environmental message or at least consumerist because like yeah whole greed versus altruism right kind of deal the Skeksis are obviously very greedy they don't care who Mm -hmm. gets in their way or they don't care about anyone in general their main concern is preserving their life staying immortal Mm -hmm. I mean they'll even betray each other at a moment's glance we see the one Skeksis who's banished is the Chamberlain they do not hesitate at all. They mm-hmm. just, like, after he loses that contest for the Emperor, he just, like, strip his clothes and he's out. It's also definitely uh, more obviously about, like, xenophobia. The Skeksis are just <laughs> literally just terrified of the Gelflings because mm-hmm. the Gelflings are in the prophecy said to destroy them. Yeah. And when when the when the Skeksis see the... See, I think it was Jan... When they see Jen, they literally just, like, run away, arms failing, like, <laughs> Gelfling, Gelfling. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, they killed off all the Gelflings, but then right. you're, like, left with one Gelfling left. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's probably that Gelfling. <laughs> Who knows how it, yeah. I guess that's the point of prophecies, is they're kind of self-fulfilling. Right. But, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? I guess just I feel like, uh, again, a lot more... This this movie could have been longer, could have been more well-developed in terms of uh, its story. I think it... I, I, I wish it went more into the world-building, and I would have liked to know more little details about how this world works and not have uh, this intricate world be wasted on such a, such a kind of a bland story. Mm-hmm. And I wish... That maybe Jen had more of a of a distinct arc. Yeah. Because I, I don't really think they're... With the exception of the last scene, honestly, he didn't yeah. really need to be there. Right. I feel like the, the characters are, are decently flat. Like, I, I think he's pretty flat. Um, honestly, I like the Skeksis more. The Skeksis <laughs> are kind of... And they're creepy, but they're fun to watch. I always think about the one with the, with the whimper. The... Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, that's Chamberlain. Yeah. Chamberlain, yeah, He's yeah. great in the TV show, too, because all these Skeksis return, and you also get to see, like, the Emperor, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, like, died in the very oh, first Oh, dude, scene. the Emperor death scene? Was creepy. Oh, my God, his body just collapses in on itself, and it's just... Like, that's a real effect that they did with with the freaking puppet. And I'm like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That was that was the first scene while watching this, or the first, I guess, moment watching this. That I was like, this is not a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. Lackluster, uh, uh, what's the word uh, I'm looking for? Sorry, people. Uh, lackluster regulations on what counts as PG and PG-13. Right. And this is right before... PG thirteen was a thing. Oh really? Okay. So this could have this could have been what led to people like historically people think that it was like Temple of Doom because that was a PG movie. Oh really? Where someone rips another person's heart out. Yeah. Um. But. So that was like historically what led to PG thirteen, but also I guess this movie could have been influential in that decision also. So I don't know. Yeah, but I think I won't be surprised. I think if you love fantasy, um, this is. Definitely something to look at. Minimum TV show to look at. I kind of describe the TV show as like a mix between Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. That's my description of it. Wow. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot to live up to. But yeah. I think TV show, absolutely spectacular. I really look forward to the next season to see what else they can give us in terms of world building. Mm-hmm. Um, movie. Fine, I'll say I'll give it a I'll give it a solid five out of ten. I I gave it I I do whole stars right now like in, on Letterbox so mm-hmm. from one to five so I I gave it a three out of five. Okay, I think it's really cool. I think it's a cool movie, but I was also very bored. Yeah, it's a good thing it's an hour and a half. Yeah, in terms of if, if it had been any longer, I was I I like it would have been exhausting. It's always it's always a, a shame when there's some movies that can be three hours long that I you know enjoy the hell out of, mm-hmm. like The Irishman. That was a no. Good, you didn't enjoy The Irishman. Uh, my least favorite <laughs> part about The Irishman was that it was three and a half hours long. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Well, some movies. I was going to say another Scorsese movie though. Oh. Okay. I was going to say The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Because I still I I'm over winter break. I'm gonna be working on. Uh, trying to get through all the Scorsese movies I haven't seen, but as mm-hmm. of now, my favorite is The Wolf of Wall Street, and that podcast is out when this pod when this podcast is out. So go check that out. But like that movie is three hours long and it's so consistently entertaining, and mm-hmm. I feel like everything is contrib- everything in the movie is intentional and contributed to a thematic purpose. I, I don't feel the same way about the Irishman, but that's okay. Yeah, that's a lot of people think it's a masterpiece. I'm like, I, 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 I get it, I get it, but it's just not really my thing. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Dark Crystal. Yes. A little bit boring. World is cool, hindered by its whole plot and yeah. overambitious nature, I suppose. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, still solid. I think. I think if you're interested in puppeteering, it's a really essential watch for Mm -hmm. for anyone i think that'll be it you can catch us on facebook at uw film club and on instagram and twitter at film club uw and then as always you can check out our podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and google play and thank you isaac for being on the podcast and bringing this movie 
Yeah, it was great to be here. Um, yeah. This is the first one I didn't talk about a Marvel film, so <laughs> I'm expanding my uh, expanding movie repertoire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is great. Thank, thanks for coming on. Thanks for bringing this movie. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.